Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Today's topic is hugely timely for me. We're talking about what's holding your leadership team back. And I've come off the back of some coaching with um, a CEO who just very well might be the thing that's holding his team back. So I was really excited when Richard suggested this as the topic for today's discussion. So welcome to season three, episode two of the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm Davina Stanley. And as usual, I'm here today with Richard Medcalf to discuss exactly Exactly these questions. Hi, Richard. How are you hi. today? Yeah, hi, Davina. It's great to uh, great to be here again. Yeah, it's good. It's a cold uh, autumn morning here in Paris as I speak, um, and um, yeah, and I love this topic, right? Because it's actually about getting data on teams, which is which is exciting. But often we don't have data. We don't have information about teams and understand what's going on. So. Um, um, I'm thinking of a Queen song, right? You know, I'm a big Queen fan. <laughs> and I, I was so excited in our, in our, in our first um, podcast episode last time, I didn't get a Queen lyric in, which is obviously a major failing for me on a personal level. So I was thinking, um, I was thinking about what Queen songs are the word blind in, right? Because often we're flying blind. So um, I turned away from it all like a blind man right? Sat on a fence, but it don't work. And that's from under pressure, right? So I think when, when, we, when we don't actually look at the facts, we get under pressure. So there's my crowbarring in a, a Queen lyric for today. Perfect, perfect. And I have told you I'm quite a Queen fan, haven't I? Well, every, yeah, these days everybody seems to be a Queen fan. Um, <laughs> my, my daughter, when she, she, she's, um, she's a secondary school. And uh, when Bohemian Rhapsody, the film came out, she came back to me and said, Dad, I'm I'm really annoyed because like everybody's going around now saying that they're Queen fans, but you know, we've been Queen fans forever, haven't we? <laughs> so we're hardcore. You're real Queen fans. Well, I must be a fake Queen fan then because I've always known of Queen, but I fell in love with him again when I watched it. And only about a year ago, I confess, so I was even really late to the movie. How's that? There we go. That's disappointing for you, isn't it? So how do we, let's get into our topic today. Um, yeah. How can we find out what's holding an executive team back, particularly if they're my team? How do I know? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think the first question is perhaps, you know, even like, well, don't, don't I know already, you know, if I'm an executive, why wouldn't I know this? Um, what I see in my work with clients is that first of all, they're not actually thinking about it, right? So often uh, we're so focused as leaders on the business We've got goals for our business. And we think those are the goals for the, the executive team, right? It's like, well, if the business delivers this, then our team has delivered, which kind of is right. But they haven't really thought about the, the how are we going to do that? How, what's the goals that we have for the team? How do I want this executive team to develop and evolve and lead at a higher level in the business? So often they haven't really thought about holding me back from what? 
it's easy just to go, yeah, well, I mean, we're just who we are. Like we get along yeah. really well, we work together really well. So yeah, we've got our issues, but it's kind of working. Business is okay. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. So are you are you suggesting that they're not looking for their edge and being really focused on their own internal performance, but much rather looking outside the the exact team to find the problems and the issues to fix? Yeah, often the issue is quite simply, you know, as a business leader, we've not been trained in the art of. Um, people transformation uh, and so we go actually well the people are who we are I can sack a few replace them but apart from that uh, this is what we've got and we better just get on with uh, what we can change which is everything else which is that's an interesting true. assumption isn't it what an interesting assumption that you can't evolve people and develop people particularly at that senior level because I would have thought normally mm. senior leaders are people who are aspirational you know mm. They've, they've been striving themselves to get there. So they're changing themselves on that journey, aren't they? Yeah, I, I'm not saying, of course, that I'm not saying every leader is never thinking about this, but I just mm. put the point is that the weight of operations naturally leads uh-huh. the focus to be, okay, what, who, you know, what needs to happen in this part of the business? What do we need to do here? Rather than actually stepping back and saying, okay, how effective are we being as a team? How much value are we adding? And given the changing requirements of the business, where do we want to be in two years? Uh, or a year what do you want to create who do you want to be what does we want things to look like so I think first of all they're not thinking about it right that's the key thing yeah and fair enough too they're they're focusing like you say on the operational and perhaps strategic parts of the business rather than the operations of their own internal team so much now that that makes that makes good sense and I guess quite it's, it would seem almost like a bit of a luxury, perhaps, if you haven't really thought about that deeply before, because there's so many other bigger things to deal with. That's right. But, but I would like to say no organization can be healthier than its number one team. And so oh, any, yeah. any issues, silos, lack of communication, lack of buy-in, um, lack of support, lack of team goals, anything going on in the number one team of, a, of an organization will ripple through and multiply as it gets across the, the wider organization yes okay and you're really wanting the good things to multiply exactly you know, the, you're really wanting strengths to multiply to make sure that performance cascades and as you say multiplies as mm. it goes down the organization yeah I see that that makes sense so that's the first reason I think what you know just we're not really thinking about holding me back from what where do I actually want to be with this team the second one is that the leader's experience uh, is very different from the team's experience so um, I was working with one um, country manager uh, of a major pharmaceutical company, and um, we did a little survey on his team to understand what was going on, what was working, what was difficult, what did the team feel. And um, when we reviewed the results, he was really quite amazed about some areas because they were really different from how he perceived mm. things especially I remember um, relationships he felt relationships were pretty strong and um, uh, and open and uh, and intense um, but actually the team rated it significantly lower and when we dived yeah. into that I think it was because a lot of especially in this kind of in business units or, or executive teams where you have a multifunctional team coming together with a business leader, like a CEO uh, or a country manager, you often have this star formation, right? So they are reporting in, if you like, to the CEO, but between them, the relationships aren't as strong. 
um, because it's all being centralized through the CEO. So the start, the, the CEO yes. or the, the executive team meeting is more of a, almost like a staff meeting where people are reporting, uh, reporting into the CEO rather than collaboratively uh, solving and creating mm. the future for the company. So mm. the leader doesn't often understand what's holding their team back because they don't actually have the perception of the team. Well, they're not in a position to, are they? Because their relationships are very focused and strong with each of the individuals. They're not seeing them at the, the relationships at the outside, that honeycomb yeah. that should be there where people are cross-pollinating and, and yeah. working together. You know, it's harder, harder to see that, I guess. Mm. And, and so do you have any examples from that? Yeah, so, um, well, as I said, I suppose the, um, if you look at the way a team works, so again, working with a a tech company, um, actually the CEO is still really seen as the ultimate decision maker. And therefore, if you like, in the meetings, I noticed people were kind of talking primarily to the CEO um, and not, there was this lack of, um, of connections between the team. I mean, they were talking with each other, obviously, and, and debating and jumping in, but there was still this kind of gravity towards the CEO who was kind of holding holding uh, forward, right? Um, uh, holding counsel, if you like. Mm, and people mm, were kind mm. of seen as more, they were advising, and then he would make the decision uh, with people kind of basically saying, yeah, okay, but not necessarily with, with that sense of buy-in. Um, and of course, you know, the issue here is, it, what we're really talking about here, Deb, I think, is that, um last time we talked about well as a leader what might be giving you the sense that your team is not creating enough value or creating as much value as it could and i think today what we're going is to say well your perception might well be right team meetings might suck right people might not be having enough um ownership um you know whatever it is that's annoying you but if you actually want the team to move forward it's actually the team's perception that's the real starting point. Yes. that's what okay. you're going to need to shift. Yes. Okay. It, it is, absolutely. And just orienting yourself to be aware of that. And I think you gave a bit of a clue just before as to a way or something that you can watch for is the dynamic around the team meetings. You know, if you're the CEO and you're making every single decision and you are um, doing I don't know what percentage you would suggest, but the vast bulk of the talking. Mm. And um, I think that perhaps is a bit of a hint, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So you can start Mm. to measure those, exactly those kind of things. Um, Again, it's very hard and we might even know some of those things, but again, it's still our perception of what are people Mm. feeling about that. We might feel actually they're okay with it. I'm, you know, I'm doing this, um, you know, they're actually quite happy for me. You know, frankly, when I ask them to make a decision, they don't do it. So they obviously want me to make it. So our perception is one thing. It's very different when you start to really understand what's going on in their heads. The why they're behaving the way they are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that, I guess, you know, how, how can you, if you are an executive, a leader, a CEO, how can you work out what is holding your team back then? If it is that difficult to work it out because we're so, mm. you know, not fixated, but so aware of our own perceptions and it's so difficult to get into other people's point of view, if you like, um, what mm. things can you do? How can you find out what is holding them back? Yeah, so there's, there's a few approaches. I think the first one is um, really well, the main one, perhaps, is what I'd call the um, uh, three conversations. So, 
first conversation is what's our commission? Okay, what is our commission as a leadership team? What can we do that nobody else can do? We touched on this last time, but it's key because what you're doing there is you are forcing the team to have a conversation on the outside view. Okay, it's easy to start with us, our team, what, what's going on, what the dynamics are, who doesn't like who, you know, who's who's seems to be uh, sleeping around the table, whatever it is. But going like, who needs us, right? What's our commission? What what are stakeholders' requirements of us, and how is that changing? Well, how are we going to need to be different in the future from where we are today? So what that does is it takes the team into the future. It creates that future self idea, really. It's like, you know, where do we, where do we need to be going? How do we need to be serving uh, the, the stakeholders, our, our shareholders, our employees, the, our customers, our suppliers, um, uh, you know, the, the wider world? So that's the first place, because then what you're doing is you're starting to kind of get agreement, like check, do we have agreement about what our purpose is here. I think the second question is, okay, given that, what do we want to create? Who do we want to be? Because it's okay, well, very well objectively saying, well, these are probably all the worthy things that people are requiring of us. And they're probably in conflict, right? You know, you've got different stakeholders, different requirements, but what do we want to take ownership for? Because, you know, we might not actually actually want to fulfill all of these stakeholder requirements on us. We might not find them more motivating or equally valid. So what is it that we as a team want to be, right? How do we want to be leading this, this business uh, in the mm. months to come? And so that's really creating this understanding of, well, holding me back from what? Because unless you know, unless you have an inspiring vision of where you want to go, nothing is holding you back, right? Because you're not really moving as a yes. team. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. And I can, I'm picturing that circumstance play out in teams that I've been part of. I know exactly what you mean. It can be a little bit aimless, can't it? Where if, if you have got that focus on, on how you want to be and how you want to behave and how you want to work together and what really great looks like, then um, it's much easier to get there, like with anything. Mm. Yeah. So mm. in, with anything, on every level, inertia is our biggest enemy. <laughs> it's, oh, so it is. It's a default state, whatever it's it is. too comfortable. Whatever it is, inertia is our default state. We're, if you want to know what you're going to do next week, I'll have a look at what you're doing this week, and that's going to be the best prediction of what you're going to do next week in any so area true. of life. And so yes. these two conversations are really trying to shift the dynamic away from inertia. It's back to that thing, well, we're just the exec team. This is who we are, right? How do we actually run this company? That's kind of it. You, but you're still in inertia in terms of how you're operating. But if you say, yes. wouldn't it be amazing if we were leaving at this, leading at this level, if these were the conversations we were having, if this was the level of trust and support we could bring each other, if this is how we were growing as a team, um, if this is how we were shifting the things that we were focused on. Perhaps we're less in operational detail, more on the big picture. Uh, we've, we've really successfully delegated as a team all of the kind of minutiae so that we can really focus on the the strategic initiatives, all these things, when people start to picture that, then you can start to um, uh, ask about what's holding us back. Mm, mm. And when, when you see that play out in a practical setting, mm. what, what does that look like? Have you got an example that you'd like to share just to help us really ground that in reality? Yeah. So I, um, 
I am um, yeah, so recently working with a um, software as a service company they with their executive team and they're a hugely successful company I mean they're they've got a great tailwind in the market they're they're the leader in their field um, and they're, they're, they're you know high growth um, a lot of growth and um, and when we started to ask these questions and think about well what's going to be different in two years time in the market in in the organization it's going to be a lot bigger um you know the things that perhaps worked two years ago are certainly not going to be the things that help you succeed two years hence and um as we did this so we we had had that one session you know we, we broke people up into groups we got them to think about the different stakeholders to map out the what the requirements now and what's the requirements in two years going to be and then what what do we want to be and it takes a while because you've got quite a large team often executive teams they can be quite large mm-hmm. i mean there's probably about 10 people more or less and and so you have to figure out a way to get all of people's views heard and understood but when we filtered all that down we came up with really five transitions if you like five themes right so from this to this and i think that's a really helpful way to look at it it's like what what are these what are these um the big themes the big shifts that we want to see in the team um um often they they start not so much by the i I tend not to ask ask them to be the shifts to start with i tend to say what do you want to be but normally people describe where they want to be in relation to where they are today right you want to be more this or less this Mm. or or do Mm. this and so and and things that don't change they probably forget to mention or don't mention so things that people bring up tends to be the shifts that people want to see and then and then i suppose the third conversation following on from that is then okay so if we were to focus on just one thing in the next season what would that be which of those themes is the theme to really focus in on and can I ask you before we go to that what were the five themes from that company what were the sorts of things that they were wanting to shift um so let me think um for that company there were things like well so for example from being the operational management of the company to the strategic management of the company yeah was was one key theme mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. um another theme was around their meetings in fact so one of their themes was you know we need to become a decision making powerhouse um in those you know bi-monthly meetings or whatever they had um and move away from say these kind of lengthy operational reviews financial updates information like being presented to uh, or discussing topics that never quite get resolved um so they want to pick up the momentum yeah exactly so that was that was another example um I can give you some of the other ones, but I think that those will probably give you the, the idea um, mm-hmm. that you're really trying to zoom in on what are those kind of few key things that that perhaps are uh, are getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to focus on just one thing, mm. what would it be if you're going to improve one thing so that you can um, find out what's holding the team back? What would it be? Yeah, so this is the question about focus right because again mm-hmm. we often go great we know we can see all these like all these things that would be amazing about our team and and that's great but the danger is if we try and do it all we don't do anything 
and we get cynical and we go, well, that's a waste of time. We don't change. We just, let's just make do with who we are. So I think it's really worth focusing on one thing, making a, a marked difference in one area and getting that working for us and then moving on to another area. We can come back to the first area again. Perhaps we're going to circle around these themes, but we need to really get a sense of progress and winning and the fact that, yeah, this is actually making our life better. Yes. And even if if you've got five themes that have come out of your meeting, pick one and just stick with it till you get some traction with it and get some momentum on it. And then, you know, you feel it's moving, then maybe pick another one and build on that. Yeah, I like that because it's just too distracting. And I think you said earlier, didn't you, that one of the big challenges is that teams are so naturally busy with the operations and running the business that they don't necessarily focus on themselves. So to give them a huge agenda for change for themselves is probably not going to fly is it you know pick one thing exactly minimum viable habit if you like just like get something (laughs) get something working and build on that now one thing that I I love to do I mean so these conversations are great Um, something that you can actually do before that often uh, or as part of that um, and which actually really kicks things off and gets people thinking about this is um, a team 360 survey so so this is, again, the, the, the point is we're trying to get data. We talked about data at the very start, right? You don't want to be flying blind um, and, and not facing reality. But when you get data, uh, it's transformational. So we have a, at X Quadrant, we have a survey. You either use it just within the team or the people within the team. Or also you can also sometimes also include stakeholders and get their views on what they see the team is doing well as a team, not as individuals, but what the team is doing well and what, where the team, what, what frustrates them about the team or their interactions with the team, which can be, again, fantastic information. As a leadership team, you might think you're the world's most amazing team until you talk to your reports and then what, <laughs> the level of clarity or whatever coming out from you or, or the, you know, the consistency and strategy or whatever it is, these things can be real pain points elsewhere. They can, can't they? So you're really holding the mirror up to the team as a whole yeah. and finding out what's really going on and getting the data so you can then adjust. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I see that there are really, I like to look for three things in that data. I call them blind spots, black spots, and hot spots. So oh, I like that. Yes. So your blind spot is, oh, as a leader, I did not see that coming. Or even as a team, we didn't see that. Wow. We didn't know that our stakeholders feel that we are, you know, a siloed, bunch of people playing political games we didn't that's not our, that's not our self-perception that's their. you know what's going on there um or blind spot as well i had no idea that um people are demotivated in this team they all seem to be working hard i had no idea that they felt totally disempowered for example mm. that's a blind spot a black spot is where the whole team clearly identifies there's a problem like oh you know our meetings yeah they you know they're they're terrible you know, we, for some reason, we just can't get our act together. People are rocking up late. Um, decisions. Unprepared. Don't work. Yeah, we're not prepared enough. There's no pre-reading. People, uh, you know, we're having to spend half the meeting educating ourselves about the issues that we're t- trying to talk about, yeah, et cetera. So they're the black spots that everyone understands. And then you have hot spots where there is disagreement or different perspectives in the team. So 
Sometimes, uh, at least one version of the, the Team 360 that I've used, I actually show the team the, the full range of responses. So let's say you've got 10 people, I'll show them the kind of the overall score for the team, but I'll show all the 10 dots across the scale from say one to 100. And on some of the questions, people are like, wow, I can't believe some people have raped, like scored this at 90%, like they're happy at 90%, and some people are down at 10%. And so your average might be 60% or something, but it's actually hiding this real range, which means that my lived experience in the team is not at all the lived experience of the person sitting next to me at the table. I might yes. feel I'm able to express myself that this, you know, that, the, that we're having robust debate. The person next to me might feel that uh, they're totally shut down every time they speak or that you know it's this conversation is dominated by two people and so forth and so depending on who you are you might be the person speaking all the time or the person totally silent you have a very different experience of life on that team mm, yeah no I can see that no I love I love those statements black spots blind spots and hot spots I think that's that's fantastic um so is that a good time to wrap perhaps for today? Um, next time we're going to talk about the most common complaints CEOs and their leadership teams make, that there's not enough ownership for the desired business outcomes. That's something I see a lot in my own team and also in my own um, consulting work with others as well. Um, do you have anything to, to add to that just to close us out, Richard? Yeah, so thought three things. One, first of all, is you're right. This is going to be an exciting topic next time. Ownership, it's one of the... Um, just the top of mind issues for so many leaders. And there's some real practical things you can do about that. Um, second thing is we were just talking about the Team 360 as a way of getting data mm. on what's holding your executive team back. It's often the easiest way to get started on these conversations because you, the first thing you're doing is giving people a quick and easy way to share what their reality is, what they're seeing. And um, we've got a great survey instrument that we use at X Quadrant. And um, normally we charge for that, but um, for people on the listening to this podcast episode, if you reach out to us, you can reach out at podcast at xquadrant.com. And um, if you reach out uh, and mention the, the, the Team 360 survey, we'll help you set you up with a free access to the diagnostic tool for your team. So very happy to help you with that. Oh, that's great. Well, that's, that's really generous, I think. <laughs> and well, I, I just think, you know, again, people listening to this probably got to identify there's something going on with their team. And I'd love to see whether we can help uh, pinpoint what that is. And then the final point, perhaps, is the, perhaps the thought to leave you with is, yeah, you have a vision for what your business is to become. But do you have a vision for what your executive team is to become? And you understand your business through data, but do you have data to understand the health of your number one team? Great place. Great place to wrap. Thank you for that. That's great. So, um, look, if anyone does want to go and get the show notes and get the details of that survey or, or anything else that relates to this podcast, um, feel free to go to the website. We're at www.xquadrant.com forward slash season three, episode two. And if you're wanting to look around and see some of the other episodes, you can go to xquadrant.com slash podcast. So thanks so much, everyone, today. We look forward to talking to you again in the next one. Bye for now. Thanks, Davina. Bye now. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. 
When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.